Guru Nation, welcome to episode 539 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Raymond Nomizu. He's the founder and CEO of Creo, clinicalresearch.io. It's the e-source, e-rig, CTMS system uh, that sites have been using. It's gained a lot of popularity over the past couple of years. I've known Raymond for over five, seven years. I've known him since he since he started Creo. So this is an interesting topic. We get into site issues. We get into the future of research, digitization of research, what I call the great convergence with source and EDC sort of merging in as one. Definitely worth checking out. Um, check out links to Raymond's uh, LinkedIn in the show notes. Also in the show notes is links to the CRA and CRC Academy. And if you need help getting more studies for your site, text me 949-415-6256. A lot of clients of ours are also Creo clients, so there's a lot of overlap there. And finally, check out my YouTube memberships page. It's only $9.99 a month. There's a monthly Zoom involved. There's weekly exclusive videos. There's early access to videos on there. Definitely check that out. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think. Catch you later. Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode. This is a special episode. You guys are asking questions. This particular person was on Instagram, says, Hey, Dan, I got to know more about Creo, which is clinicalresearch.io, but Creo is the brand name. Uh, on Monday, today's Wednesday, on Monday, I was in Marjorie Guzman's clubhouse from Topaz, uh, Topaz Clinical Research, keeping it real in research on Mondays under the Guru Nation brand. Thank you so much, Marjorie. I just jumped in there randomly, Ray, and all I, I, I started hearing people talk about Creo. And then they asked me my thoughts. I'm like, yeah, I actually know the founder. I've been using it for some time off and on. Uh, so then I was like, okay, a lot of people, a lot of chatter. Today, the guy sent me a message on Instagram. So who better to reach out to than the founder and CEO? Are you CEO? I am, yes. Okay. Founder and CEO, Raymond Nomizu, who we've had on the show a few times in the past. But it was years ago. You know, think Creo's matured. Uh, I've matured. I've moved to a desert now. Uh, so Raymond, welcome back. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for the introduction. So for those who don't know who you are, and they're too lazy to go watch the older video because there's a lot of clicking, and the algorithms maybe are not smart to show it underneath, can you give us a quick summary of who you are in particular, and then we'll get into why you founded Creo? Yeah, so I, I used to run a, a clinical research site. Um, and I pretty much did everything from being a coordinator. You, you have to, if you're a site director, you have to be able to jump in and be the coordinator and do all the finance and all the business development. Um, and I found it really hard to run a research site with Excel and, and paper. So that was really the genesis of, of Creo. So we launched in 2016. That was the year that we launched our electronic source module. And since then, we've built out a full end-to-end -end platform for research sites. So it's a one-stop shop. You can do your recruiting, your financial management, your e-regulatory, e-source, and, and calendaring. And it's all integrated. All the pieces talk to each other. So um, sites are able to get tremendous efficiencies 
out of it. Um, and we've grown now. We have um, you know well over 700 research sites. We're around the world. We have some very large site networks that are signing up for our system. And I think we're probably in the thousands in terms of investigators. And you were you were early in this. Uh, you know, you were mentioning that you were running a site on your own. I'm about to start doing that myself. Uh, so I'll I'll be vlogging about it every day, so you guys can follow me. Okay, uh, but you you must have well, like seen because you were early on this. You nobody what? was talking about eSource back then. People are barely talking about it now. So what like what was it actually? Were you looking for opportunity? Or was it such a bad pain point that you were thinking, there's just got to be a better way? It, it really was the latter. It was such a pain point dealing with all the queries that I was seeing in the UDC, all the sloppy mistakes, all the sticky notes. <laughs> um, and then after seeing you know, how the rest of the world worked, I said, well, why, why can't we do the same thing in, in research? So When was this? Uh, 20... What? 26, 2015 is when we launched the company, and 2016 is when we coded it and released it. Um, my site was the first site in the country to use it, um, so we <laughs> launched it in uh, September, October of 2016. But you're right, we were very. It was a, it was a novel concept, um, and the first couple of years we had to spend a lot of time educating sites and talking to sites and saying, look, it is. 100% regulatorily allowed. Um, 100% the sponsors will... You know, Are you a futurist? Or how did... Because did you get the idea from ePro, like ePatient Reported Outcomes? Or how did this yeah. all come together? One time I went to a screening and they took my blood pressure and they entered it on a tablet. And I said, why? I mean, that, that's essentially what I was doing. So um, it was myself and, and my co-founder was the, the, um, the software guy. And I, I brought him the paper charts and said, how hard is it to make electronics? He said, no, it's, it's easy. It's not hard to do. <laughs> um, wow. So the hard, the hard part was not actually coding it. The hard part was educating the market and developing the right product that would work for, um, for this very specific use case, right? It's a very specialized industry. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll tell you, if you're not from research industry, the concept that you're using paper charts to collect data is, is just foreign. Like people don't get that <laughs> it's a it's, it's only in research when if, you, if you're steeped in research you grow up in it then you think it's normal because it's normalized but it's, it's really it's not normal all the other industries have gone to electronic right everything's gone electronic okay i understand more now so basically you get you get the pain points as a site owner you got the idea you used it for your own site first how quickly did you bring on your next site and how difficult was it to convince them? I can't imagine in 2016 because 2021, it's still difficult to convince sites, right? So how did yeah, you do it we, back then? We actually were able to sign up clients relatively quickly um, at a major trade show. I mean, Site Solution Summit, October of 2016. That was our sort of official coming out party. That's when we launched it. We had a lot of interest from people. And there was a, a small segment of users, of owners, who said, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I was actually thinking about this idea. So they signed up pretty quickly. Um, wow. So we got a little burst of activity, and that got got our investors very confident. They re-upped their funding round. Um, and then we had a so fairly you long raised, you raised money. This is like a... Oh, absolutely. Like a, like a yeah. Silicon Valley-style startup. You raised money, you did all that Series one, A. We were we were fortunate to raise money before we coded. We were lucky. We raised money and we had a couple of venture capitalists backing us. So no kidding. Okay. We have gone through what is called the Series A round now, um, which is a pretty big milestone, and and uh, maybe doing another round soon. Congrats! Wow. Thanks. Yeah, I think the market share is uh, like 
in 2016, and I know when we signed up with one of my other clinics in 2019, uh, I think it was 2019, people were still having questions. Okay, well, how is this like, what is what does the FDA think about this? And you guys had a lot of literature and you guys basically helped sites write the SOPs. 2021, because of COVID, I don't think you're getting that question as much anymore. No, I, I, think, I think it's changed. I think eSource is now a product. And I think people are aware of it. A lot of people have know they're going to go e-source. It's more a question of timing than anything else. So, um, you know, starting in 2020, we really saw an uptick. And we really don't have to do a lot of outbound marketing. I mean, we, we get 80% of our business in 2021 is word of mouth. Sites that are wow. happy to hear their peers. Because such a small industry. So if we yeah. get happy clients, I mean, but client satisfaction is number one for us. We, we know we get happy clients. We don't have to spend money on sales and marketing because the leads will come to us. And how do now it's the because of the opportunity, the landscape's gotten a little more competitive. Yes. I haven't been following too much, but I know like there's a big, really big company that's entering this space or sure. already is on regulatory. Yeah. Um, how do you compete? Like, how do you, how, I'm sure you think about this all the time. Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, there's a huge <laughs> number of companies that are raising obscene amounts of money from Silicon Valley that are entering, and all of them have similar ideas to what we're doing. But I think a few things. We have an enormous head start. We have an enormous installed base. We are signing up some of the largest site networks in the world. Our clients of ours now are becoming clients. Um, and I, I definitely think site consolidation or a trend or site network is a, is a long-term trend here to stay. Um, so we saw that back in 2018. Um, I wrote a piece on site network consolidation. and predicted I need that. to read that. I need to read that piece. That's like a separate uh, podcast a right there. I, yeah, I interviewed a bunch of experts put together and uh, it talked about uh, valuations and what's sort of the drivers and dynamics of it. And so um, we built our product squarely to meet the needs of people running sites in multiple locations. Um, so we, um, we timed that well. Um, in terms of how we're going to stay competitive, I, I truly think it's innovation and I think it's in our vision. Um, we are continuing to add more products. Uh, e-consent is in the works. Um, I might as well just tell you up front, we are planning on an EDC launch. Um, we're also planning to integrate. In fact, we have already started integration with a couple of EDC vendors on a few live trials. Wow. Um, we have a very uh, ambitious roadmap ahead of us that involves building new modules or integrating with other services. And I, I think the key to all of this would be a connected ecosystem because everyone's got a cool piece of technology. But you know, the way I think the way to win this is to, to create that end-to-end -end workflow at the investigator site level, because that's a piece that people don't really understand. Because if you get the sites to collect data efficiently and accurately, right, all that benefit accrues to the sponsor, all of mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. um, and you can only drive so much efficiency by buying one-off pieces of software and giving it to the sites, right? You really need a, a platform for the research sites. If you have that platform, you design it well, workflow-wise, and then you plug into all the other pieces through APIs and ecosystem, you can have a really powerful platform. There's a lot of efficiencies that can be unlocked. So I think we've already started unlocking the efficiencies, but I think we're in the fourth inning. Fourth inning. So two things from that, the great converge, what I call, I don't know if I made this up, the great convergence 
is is coming. That's what I mean. Where source source data is passively entered into EDC. I just call it that. I don't know if it's like somebody else called it that too. That's what I've been calling it. And then the site networks. So sites consolidating, just like the CROs are consolidating. Um, you think this is just the beginning of site consolidation? I think that a lot of small sites will thrive and flourish. Because if you're a strong PI with a good track record and patient population, you don't need to be part of a network to survive, right? I, yeah. I, mean, but I think we will not have the collapse of the SML model like we did in the 90s. I think things have changed. Uh, and I think a big part of that is technology. Because now with our technology, if I'm running a same study at 12 locations using Creo, I can create one source template, one budget, push it to the 12 sites and do all my reporting and do all my remote monitoring. I can I can centralize all my EDC entry. I can move a lot of activities that exist at 12 locations and put it into one. Um, and so I think technology now enables site, um, um, you know, let's just say network consolidation, but there'll yeah. always be a role for strong PIs at the independent level. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, DSCS, we were founded 20, 2013, around the time, a little before Creo, and we've we've grown a lot. Like we've added a whole bunch of clients year over year. Uh, a lot of them are actually happy Creo clients now too. One of the this, and this is why I think I'm gonna like it. Also, we have a lot of CRAs who start sites. Okay, but they they can't leave their jobs yet. But they're about to. Many have already because the sites have been successful. They tell me this is amazing because I know what my staff is doing. You know, back in the day with SMO, if you tried to do this back in the day, you have to go physically go to the site to make sure things are, you know, okay. doing as as you expect. Now you just log in on your phone and you can see, hey, why hasn't this visit happened or why hasn't this assessment been done? You can see it instantly. That's got to be a huge uh, value add for entrepreneurs, site directors. Oh, absolutely. Huge. I mean, that, that I, keep, I keep stressing that. I mean, you've got to decouple the, the source from the location, right? I mean, you've, you've got to be able to work remotely now um, and have you know, immediate oversight and, and quick access to, to your data. I, I just don't see how you can really run a site without that. Right. Um, I want to ask one more macro overview question before we maybe get into a little bit of the details uh, of Creo system. Uh, macro overview uh, in regards to sites promoting themselves. Sites, it's all about data, I think, in the next decade, right? As, as everything gets digitized, that's going to be the commodity. Right now, it's the actual site. Soon, it's going to be the data. How will Creo empower sites? Like, will... The sites own their own data. Um, I know there's a lot of vendors that do free versions. That makes me think Facebook is free. They own your data. Is this a similar analogy here or am I way off on this? We're a paid service. So sites absolutely 100% own their own data. Um, we, we have no rights to the data. The, the only rights that we have, and frankly, some sites will strike this from the contract and we're fine with that is a right to do aggregate data for analysis. But that would really be a service that we provide the site. So 
we don't yet have it, but at some point we'll offer benchmarking services to the sites. But it'll so be so you will offer that. But actual site performances and the patient data is 100% owned by the site. So we put that paramount front and center to uh, to our research site. So there's a few ways that we help the sites. One is we have uh, a new custom reporting uh, uh, analytics tool that we've incorporated. It's not ours. It's actually a tool owned by Google. And it plugs into our database, and it's got incredibly powerful analytics. So you can slice and dice your data any number of ways. Um, two, we actually have an integration with Devana, which is all about maintaining your site feasibility metrics for business development purposes. And we didn't want to be in the BD business. It's just too much on our plate. So we integrated with them. That's an example of you know plugging into the broader ecosystem. Um, we're also working on an API that will allow people with patient leaves to send it into research sites. So, you, so what's happening right now is, is and I think it's a long-term trend too, is um, in addition to the sites bringing their own patients to the table, there's going to be an opportunity now to recruit outside of the site, either through EMR data mining or through digital marketing, right? Because everything's going digital. So there's a whole bunch of vendors that have patient leads, but they're not the ones who actually screen the patients or do the eligibility, right? The sites do. So we're going to have an ecosystem where, where vendors can send leads into the sites. The sites can then use our recruiting platform to qualify the patients um, and wow. potentially send feedback about the performance of those patients back to the lead vendors. So if you think about pay for performance, right? Um, yeah. Imagine a scenario where the, the vendor says, okay, I'm going to send you 100 leads. Pay me like you know something for each randomization. We can enable that model. Um, but again, think about the primacy. The, the site owns that, that data. It's a site's database. The site could have 10 different vendors sending in leads all into your recruiting platform. I see. And the, one of our clients, maybe talk a little bit about this. One of our clients, and this is a service. I don't know if it's an add-on service. I've never used it for Creo. They use the texting. I think you have like some kind of platform to text. Do uh, you still have that? Yes, we do. We have a built-in text service, so you can text clients, you can automate the, the text reminders, um, and you can also do text blasts as well. Um, we, we also have one-click calling, so if you just want to click a phone button, it actually dials. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, no wonder the client was like really happy with that, that particular. This was a high-enrolling site um, in Phoenix. I think you might know who they are. Uh, uh, okay, so... Can we get, I know it's going to be tough to share screens right now, uh, but, and maybe we'll do that another time, like a full one. Can you go, I guess, talk about some of the features I had, I had a question today from that person on Instagram and they were asking, uh, basically like, how does Creo work? I think that's way too broad of a question, but let's say, let's make it practical. Let, let's, let's just be me. Okay. I'm going to get a new study probably in the next two weeks, they want to activate me like in a week, they're going to activate me fast. So I'm going to have my official site selection visit uh, in two weeks. And then within a week of that, they want me to have my SIV. So it's like short, way shorter timelines than yeah. most studies. Um, I want to use Creo. Yeah. Where do, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very flexible. First thing you can do is you can create a study you don't have to populate all the information. You can sort of populate as you go. So you create the study shell. When you get the protocol, the EDC guidance, et cetera, you, you switch to building the, the templates out. So you create your visit schedule. Then you go to our global library of, of 90 or so templates, and you just add them, right? You can add your own to your own library. 
But if you want to use our physical, use it. If you want to use our ConMeds, use the ConMeds, use AEC. Find the, the form from our library. You just go click, click, click. You add it. You check it off, which visits, just like a schedule events. Then you go and you open it up and you customize it for that study. So typically the AE logs probably need to be customized, the eligibility. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of that, as you know. And, um, you know, that's you build that out. And using the library approach, it should be as fast and not faster than on paper. Um, and your templates are ready to go and you can start enrolling on day one. So you think you can, I can get that done in a week, like realistically? Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Especially if I have someone helping me create the actual sort like paper source and then I just kind of put it in there myself. Yeah, yeah. And and so the real beauty is if the person that's designing it is making use of edit checks and branching logic, <clears throat> then the person collecting the data has a astronomically easier job, right? Because that person just has to follow the instructions. I click no, I don't have to answer this question, right? Right. On paper, that's very hard to follow that logic. You actually have to read the bold italics, <laughs> fill this in, follow that. It's like the difference between filling in a form on the web versus filling in on a piece of paper. If you fill on a piece of paper, right. you will miss things, right? On right. the web, it won't. It just guides you through it. So it's like that. So you're creating a, a virtually error-proof process for data collection, right? Which means cleaner data, right? Fewer queries, fewer monitoring issues. Um, and then in today's era, the monitor says, okay, I want to see your source. You are not scanning it and emailing it. Right. You're just typing in the monitor's email, and that monitor has a special role. It's called the external user role, limited to the site to the study. They don't get to edit. They can only leave comments or queries, um, and they don't see the PHI associated with the data, just the, the study. And data. here's the part I like, because I did use this feature. They don't see the internal comments between me and my team members, right? Like, hey... Did you do this? Did you do that? Right. You don't want nosy monitor seeing no, like you what don't. you're talking about. That that is the key because when I was at a site, we would leave sticky notes to each other. Right. Data, right? And you hope and you pray that your coordinator was astute enough to remove them for the monitor comes, And right? some get stuck and the monitor's like, What is this? What do you mean you don't do this? Let me see your <laughs> SOPs. But you're in your dirty laundry. Those queries are completely not visible to to the uh, monitor. That's one of the best features. So the, a lot of People don't really understand this, but the, the data that the sites collect and expose to the monitor is just one piece of the puzzle, right? First, you have to add the subject. Then you have to schedule the appointment. With our calendar, it'll tell you what days are in window. So when you look at the calendar for the month of April, it'll color code the days that are out of window. If you schedule out of window, we'll let you go ahead and do that, but we're going to create a, a queue. And you can go there and say, oh, well, I can see what, what visits are out of window. Uh, and you can do things like save a progress note and make it draft. So the monitor doesn't see it. So imagine you're a coordinator and you're in a visit and the patient says something, you're going to write a few key words, but you're not going to spend all this time writing detail. No, you want to go back to your desk and finish it up, save it as a draft. So back to my practical example, um, this study, you know, Ray, everything you said is nice, but like I need to start in a week. So regulatory is easy, easy to do. We've got the regulatory binder as well on EREG binder. And so one of the features we have is something called common folders. So you're going to upload the CVs, the IATAs, the GCP certificates, all in a set of common folders. Um, every user at your site will have his or her own uh, folder for all that information. If you add the user to the study, we copy their credentials over automatically for you. All the site credentials are automatically. So a lot of that common stuff is automatically done for you. I see. Um, and then from there, you can just upload your individual files and route them to signature. We also have an electronic delegation log. We were the first company to have a truly digital DOA log. 
I see. So the DOA log, okay, that's actually good. So with the DOA log, the investigators can e-sign this. Yes. Okay, so I can send it to my NP who's maybe 20 minutes away from the site, not able to come in. See, people don't know. Back in the day, you had to have your sub eyes come in Sometimes just to sign a like a delegation log and then go back. Like a lot of wasted time. Yeah. 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 You don't have to play round robin with the DOA log. You just add your duties, you hit send, and boom, everybody gets something in their email and they just okay. e-sign it. So what about the other reg docs like financial disclosure forms? Can they e-sign those? 1572? Yeah, they they can e-sign any document um you want. The one limitation, I think all the reg uh software vendors have is that the signature right now is outside of the paper so um a lot of a lot of sponsors want the 1572 to be on that line on the piece of paper like sort of DocuSign style so I we see. don't we don't support that i, I don't know if any of the reg, other any reg vendors support that that's that's the one thing that may have to be done outside of our system the 1572 yeah yeah okay Cause, cause but the fdf fdf is fine I don't remember if that has the line. If it, 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 that one may be also done outside. If there's a like this, is there's a line in the particular about the signature being on the line itself, as opposed yeah. to outside, like yeah. then then that may would be done outside of our system. Okay, I mean, I'm sure some sponsors would still accept it, but you know, you're yeah. not guaranteed to have it accepted 100 percent of the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, that's good. What else am I missing from a regulatory? I guess uh, delegation log is pretty important. Protocol training log, can you e-sign this? You can e-sign anything you want. So you can create a memo and um, just circulate it like you would any 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 paper. So okay, um, yeah, sites can get that in there. The one the one other thing we don't have a signature process for the um, CRA. So like a monitoring visit log, um, if you're capturing that, that's probably just best done on paper. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. I guess the next video we'll do like a maybe screen share. I know Chris and I have done this, or maybe it was Monica and I. We've gone through our Creo. Um, I think Monica did the regulatory from one of the competitor, one of your competitors. But uh, we should we can do like something like that just to give yeah. people because they're asking these questions, so it wouldn't hurt. You know, even if they're not using Creo, let's say they go on and use someone else, they're all basically going to have like similar functionality at yeah. the end of the day. So I think it'll be informative for for all the sites out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's do that. Okay. I think that's good, Ray. I think you helped answer a lot of questions. Uh, we'll do another video sometime soon. And I do want to do like when you have time, let's read that white paper. And let me read it, and then let's do an interview if you want on that. Yeah, I'll send it over to you. Because I'm interested in that kind of stuff like a lot. This stuff's cool. I look at this more of a tool, like I have to use it to do my job. But that I really love talking about because that's like business. That's the future of how you grow and all that stuff. Yeah. So, okay, Ray, we'll do that. Thank you, guys. Anybody wants to connect with Ray, his LinkedIn profile is underneath the video or in the show notes. And by the way, guys, I should have done this at the beginning. This is why I don't have more subscribers. Only 28% of you watching right now are subscribed. This is a travesty. We need 100, close to 100. Uh, so please like, subscribe, comment, share, and then go follow Ray on LinkedIn. And thank you very much, Ray. Thank you, everybody.
Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it.